welcome to the State of Housing podcast, the show that keeps all of you listeners updated on current housing market conditions. My name is Brennan Thomas, and I am the co-host here alongside Stephen Thomas, head economist and founder of Reports on Housing. Today, we'll talk about what we are seeing in the real estate industry and how we gather and interpret our data to provide the most reliable information, and later we'll dive straight into questions you may have. So without further ado, um, before we begin, Stephen, why don't you introduce yourself and the company to all of our amazing listeners? I'm uh, Stephen Thomas. Reports on Housing is our company. Been doing this for uh, quite some time. Uh, started it actually all the way back in 2004, and uh, uh, found founded it uh, because there was a need in housing at the time. And uh, what would you say that the goals of Reports on Housing are? Well. For uh, reports on housing, it's really about setting everybody's expectation, properly setting expectation. There are so many narratives out there, so, so many people that want to see the housing market do something for them. But that's unfortunately, that's not how the uh, housing market works. Uh, it, never, it never does exactly what you want when you want it. So uh, what, what we bring is real great analytical data, statistics, and we want to bring the absolute truth of exactly what's going on today so that people can make some really good, mature adult choices that uh, benefit their families. That's, that is, it has been the driving force from the very beginning and it's, it's helped countless numbers of buyers and sellers and understand the market and agents helps them articulate what's going into the market as well. Okay. And then, so then, what areas do we cover and where are we planning on expanding to? So we uh, originally started out in Orange County because uh, I was a real estate uh, agent, uh, then broker, and I uh, was helping run a, a company in Orange County. And there was a need back in, uh, I think I, I talked to you about it. Uh, back in 2004, all of a sudden, a whole bunch of homes came on the market and everybody was panicking. So what a great way to communicate exactly what's going on by looking at the numbers and talking about it. So that is, it was June of 2004 when it was born because that is when all of a sudden the uh, a number of homes came on the market and demand started to die. That was the really the beginning of what would have been the recession but got kicked down uh, the, the path down the road. So that's where it started, Orange County. Then in 2000, I started uh, collecting all the data in all of SoCal in 2012, and then launched a series of reports for Riverside, San Bernardino, Los Angeles, and San Diego County in 2019. And uh, then this year we launched the Bay Area. Need about a year's worth of data in order to launch that. Uh, so we're, we uh, launched that this year. We're looking to launch in Phoenix, as well as in Vegas, as well as in Sacramento. And uh, also, we'll throw in Ventura. We've been following Ventura since 2012 as well, and there is a need there. So that's that's where we're looking to expand. And then from there, we'll see where it takes us. Absolutely. And um, how large would you say our family is? Hmm, let's see. So we have uh, nine kids. So it's a little bit of his, hers, and ours. So uh, really, I, I brought six kids, had them all the time. My, my, uh, my wife had two kids, had them all the time. And then um, 
we got married. I adopted her kids and then she adopted my uh, two youngest kids. And then we had Zeke and Zeke is five and a half years old. And, and he's a, a little teenager wrapped up in a five-year-old body. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, people go, how do you do it? I don't know. When you're, when you have one kid, it seems like too many. When you have two kids, it seems like too many. When you have nine kids, it seems like too many. Uh, you know what? After a while, you just, you, you, you just roll with it. And that's exactly what we do. How would you describe being a real estate geek? As we say, I love being real. I, I self-subscribe. Uh, I just describe myself as a real estate geek. Uh, I have a quantitative economic decision sciences background. Originally, I was going to become a dentist. Then I started taking some science classes and I said, nah, I don't want to do this. Got it went towards business and uh, University of California, San Diego. Totally enjoyed all the economics. I couldn't get enough of it and math. And uh, put. And then I had a minor in literature. So uh, I, I really in, enjoyed the schooling part of it and uh, loved geeking out on the numbers and data. I cannot get enough of it. And, and I've also earmarked a couple of kids that, that uh, I thought would be working with me. And here, one of them is right in front of me, uh, Brennan, just graduated from Washington State University. So he's joined the clan. I have uh, other kids that I've earmarked. We'll see. We'll see if Zeke is, is going to be doing something like that as well down the road. Well, you know, jury's still out. But uh, I love sharing the numbers and geeking out. So much fun to hear my kids talk about CPI. And uh, did you see that jobs report? They, they get as excited as me. So that's a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, let's just dive right into our exploration of how we gather our data that we use for all of our presentations and for each of our reports. So uh, Stephen, where exactly do we get our supply and demand readings from? So uh, we are doing residential resale. And so with residential resale, we're looking at all uh, multiple listing service data. So we download all the feeds, take uh, all, all the data, and then distribute it. Uh, we, we put it into Excel spreadsheets and take that big data file and parse it as many ways as we can. So we're looking at supply, which is available number of homes to show buyers today. And none, none of this contingent, active, except uh, uh, contingent, except still accepting offers. Uh, that or backup still accepting offers that's in a lot of cases seen as available uh, inventory it's really not because they have a contract together and they are uh, trying to close uh, the transaction so one that's the way we look at available number of homes true number of homes available to show buyers today that doesn't have another buyer connected to it and so and in demand we're looking at a snapshot of the last 30 days of pending sales activity. Now we look at just 30 days worth because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, pending sales that sit for a long time. They might be 60 days till close or 90 days till close. That doesn't give us a true flavor of what's going on right now in the marketplace. Just taking a snapshot of the last 30 days kind of tells us when there's more buyers and fewer buyers, and we can actually see the ebb and flow in demand based upon holidays and things like that. So it, it really does tell us uh, what's going on in the market like right now today. So that's that's how we track available number of homes, supply, demand, pending sales. And we don't I don't really like to follow closed sales like so many people do. And why is that? It's because that is back in the background. That is in the rearview mirror. I don't like to focus on what's already passed because you can't really make decisions based upon what's already 
closed. Closed transactions, if we're gonna look at uh, the closed transactions in June, which we have, that's actually a reflection of, it could be as early as April, May and early June and closing June. So uh, that is a, a snapshot of past markets. I'm talking about right now today and pending sales, the ebbs and flows of pending sales will really tell us what's going on. So with that, we came up with expected market time. Expected market time is the amount of time it would take from placing the home on the market to getting a contract and getting it under contract, becoming a pending sale. So uh, that everybody should want to know that that number is. People think, get, get it mistaken with days on market. It is not days on market. Days on market, it can really be skewed. I talked about in June of 2004, coming on the, uh, coming, coming, uh, coming up with the, the housing report at that time. And the reason I came up with it is because all of a sudden we went from 7,000, 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 homes in just a matter of weeks. It was a whole bunch of homes coming to the market. When you have that many homes coming on the market, what is the average days of market or median days of market going to be? Really tiny. At the same time, demand fell. So the true velocity of the market is based upon the available number of homes and a snapshot of demand pending sales. So if you take available number of homes and a snapshot of pending sales, when there are changes in the marketplace, it's going to show really fast in our expected market time. You will not find this in days on market. Days on market will not tell you anything, although everybody wants to follow days on market. I throw it out. I never liked it. And uh, so that's why we went to expected market time because it gives a true characteristic flavor of what the market is. And based upon our expected market time readings, I can tell you which way the house housing market is is uh, lining up. Is it lining up towards the sellers uh, where they, they get to uh, where they ha have all the negotiating power? Or is it a slight seller's market where they don't have as much negotiating power? Or is it a slight buyer's market or equilibrium? A lot of people even forget about it. Could be a seller's market, could be a buyer's market. How about a balanced market? One where they everybody has to get along. You get to slight, slight buyer's market, you know what, buyers start to have a little bit more favor and you get to a deep buyer's market, that's where buyers can take their time. We haven't been there in a long time. Last time deep buyer's market was a great recession and that's where values are plunging. Uh, the last year when we had values coming down a little bit, I would refer to that more as a slight buyer's market than anything else. So that's how we, we splice the numbers and we, we're, we do this methodically. We actually do it weekly. The reports come out every other week and, uh, and we alternate between different areas as to where we focus for that particular week. And um, what are you seeing in today's numbers right now? So in, today we're... We, we have an issue of what I refer to, it was what I called a supply crisis. Now uh, I'm back to calling it a supply catastrophe. There are not enough homes on the market. And that's what's really driving our marketplace right now because we have a, an affordability issue with interest rates like dotting right around uh, six and three quarters percent. I think that's where Freddie Mac's mortgage market survey had it for like the last week. Uh, so if you if you look at that, six three quarters is a bit high and if you look at uh based upon we look at affordability based upon income uh price uh, as well as interest rates so we look at all of that and you factor in okay how much of your monthly uh payment is being devoted to exhausting the uh monthly mortgage amount if you were to purchase today and we're looking at median household incomes and right now it's off the charts very unaffordable so it, that should be impacting demand 
However, it, we have no supply. And the reason we have no supply is because we have a lot of homeowners that what we refer to as hunkering down. Some people call it golden handcuffs. Some people call it uh, mortgage rate lockdown. I don't care what people call it. It is preventing these higher rates going from three and uh, three and a quarter percent all the way up to uh, getting past seven percent, almost to seven and a quarter last last year in uh, October and November. That going that at that great of a speed was really uh, slowed our market. It was like slamming on the brakes of our market. But it was such a big, giant difference that it left uh, a lot of homeowners sitting there in their houses enjoying these incredible fixed rate mortgages with very, very uh, tiny uh, interest rates. So uh, it's like in the state of California, which beats the United States 30 percent of everybody has a uh, of every with a loan because there's a lot of people that don't have a loan 30% actually have a uh, have an interest rate at 3% or lower today they're man they're at 6 3 quarters percent that's such a giant difference that why are they going to sell their home and matter of fact they're going to turn their homes into rentals before they were to to sell their homes if they were to purchase uh, something else so and then even the numbers below 4% and the vast majority of everybody still well below 5%, 5% or lower. It's, it is like, I uh, can't remember the number off the top of my head, but it's like 89% of everybody has an interest rate of 5% or, or lower, which means that everybody's enjoying these great rates. When they have these incredible low fixed rate mortgages, it prevents a lot of people from, purchase, from selling their home and moving which takes out the equation of two, two sides of this transaction, the listing side so and also the buy side. So we're missing a big chunk of the market. So as a result, uh, for all of Southern California, 42% fewer homes are coming on the market than compared to prior to COVID. And that's, uh, I look at the three-year average before COVID, or we look at 2017, 18, and 19. And, and uh, similar numbers come on every single month. It's within uh, just a few percentage points of each other every single year for January, February, March on. And what, what we're seeing is that when we first went into COVID, April of 2020, we were missing like half of the number of, uh, of sellers that were supposed to come on because homeowners were wondering, I'm not going to sell, uh, how can I sell my home right now? We're in the midst of a, uh, of a lockdown. So we had a lot, we still had people that came on the market. So there seems to always be a flow. And then come this year, it, it was starting to get bad during in 2022. And, uh, but by the time we got to this year, it had, it had reached a crescendo and all year long, it has been where a number of homeowners when, are, are not coming on the market. When you're missing 42%, that means that you only have 58% of your normal flow coming in. And if the, uh, we're missing that big chunk of inventory. So we still have low demand. That low demand reading, the low pending sales, is partially because we have fewer homes available. That's part of it. But the other part of it that we can't really read right now is if we had more homes on the market, you'd actually be able to read it because it's not all of a sudden if we had double the number of homes on the market, we'd have double the number of people that went into uh, pending sales. There wouldn't be 
twice twice as much demand. That's not what would happen. Instead, it would move from it would move up a little bit, but then it would stop because of the affordability issue. There's only so many people that can afford uh, homes at today's mortgage rates. I, I can see it because we look at our uh, the affordability based upon incomes and interest rates and where values are today, and it's just too off the uh, off the charts. So there's a lot of people that are precluded from purchasing based based upon where interest rates are. Uh, right now, today. So we're missing supply and we demand is low, but supply is so low that it's driven our market where we were going down in our marketplace from uh, about, it was June in SoCal, June all the way through December, values were coming down. And that's because we the, the market really started to slow and buyers were really pulling back because interest rates were continuing to rise and, and there was this big uncertainty as to, man, if it keeps on going, this market is just gonna plunge. So we had uh, we, we, buyers that were in that marketplace did not wanna pay full price. They were paying less and we had values that were coming down. But then interest rates stabilized once we got to about October, November of last year, we started to see a top and then it started to come down. And because we saw that top and they, they, they continued to come down just a little bit because they were already at all the way at 7%. But by, by the time we got to February, they had got all the way down to 6%. But since then, they've come up. But it's not like we're going from 6% to 7% to 8% to 9% like last year. Instead, we've stayed within that level between about 6 and 7%. If you at least pay a point, it's never, it has not gone above 7%. If you pay no points, which uh, we, we, we follow a daily mortgage uh, track, uh, make daily mortgage rate, and that's really good. However, their daily mortgage rate is based upon zero points. Almost nobody out there is paying no points. So everybody's paying at least a point. Uh, uh, so that brings down the interest rates considerably. And that's what Freddie Mac's mortgage market survey shows. So we're, we've been staying between six and 7% and just locked in there, but it's, it's lost that volatility in interest rates and buyers are sitting back on, man, it's not doing, it's not going more negative now. And there are fewer homes on the market and the buyers that are, that are participating because there's a lot of millennials, this big first time home buyer demo, uh, demographic patch that they, they uh, are ready to purchase, but can't because they're all chasing after crumbs. And as a result, we only had about six months where everything slowed down considerably, where uh, buyers finally were able to take their time, values are coming down, it was really nice, but that's it. Once we got to January, things started to really change. You could see it in the numbers, February, March, and we could see our expected market time was all the way at 100 days for all of SoCal and came all the way down in, into uh, right around 50. And right now it's at 57, which is still a really strong reading, 57-day expected market time. That's a really strong reading. So we're, we're seeing that this, this market is, is still exceptionally hot. We're now seeing... Anything below luxury is pretty much you're dealing with multiple showings, multiple offers and and sales above their asking price or at least asking price. I think right now we're at for the state of California and Southern California, it's at 100 percent the sales price to list price uh, uh, ratio. It's at 100 percent, which means everybody's getting their asking price. And in all actuality, the upper ranges aren't getting 100 percent. They're getting less. And the lower ranges are getting above 100 percent. They're not sizably huge, but still between two and three percent more than the asking price is kind of what we've been seeing. And as a result, we've had values that have gone up 
And so December was the bottom. January, February, March, April, May, it's all gone up. And as soon as June's numbers are released, I anticipate it's going to be another month up. And we look at all the different home price indexes, and that's what things are indicating. I can't wait for the next one to come out because it will be for June. And it'll be up as well because everything that we know that's going on in the marketplace right now. So that's what we're dealing with in the marketplace. No homes on the market. Fewer uh, uh, sellers because they're enjoying their low rates. Even if they can afford to make a, a purchase something else, they, they don't want to see the, their they, their payment all of a sudden doubles. Now they have a lot less discretionary income to work with. So they're just staying, waiting for interest rates to come down. Some people are still doing it, but it's far fewer, far, far fewer. So that's really, in a nutshell, what is going on right now. Absolutely. One of my favorite analogies is when you uh, talk about Disneyland and the uh, shortage of rides. So why don't you just describe to all of the listeners how you tell me that every single time? Yeah, because here's the issue, because I've had a lot of uh, agents actually contact me or they, they'll say, Stephen, you got it all wrong. There's plenty of demand out there. There's plenty of demand. And I get that. Yeah, it feels that way because there are so few, the number of homes on the market right now, there are so few uh, homes that as a result, it feels man, like there's there, I have a, I had uh, 50 people come through my open house. So there's tons and tons of buyer activity. But remember these same people are floating all around and they're bumping into each other when they're in that same range. The issue is, I, I is, is that there's just not enough homes. And I, I, my analogy is Disneyland. You go to the happiest place on earth and you find out that they're only, they're limiting uh, the number of ticket sales to half the number uh, that that's normally on a, on a summer day. So you're excited because now you're thinking, man, all the rides are going to be totally walk on. I'm going to be able to walk on everything, totally enjoy my day. It's pretty fantastic. I'm going to be in a driver's seat like the, the buyers. That's how they feel that it should be. But then you get into Disneyland and then you find out that half of the rides are closed down. Half of the attractions are not available. So now, all of a sudden, you have the same long lines on a normal hot summer day, and yet there's only half the people. But it feels like, man, what, what's the issue? They should limit their, 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 their ticket sales. That's not what it is. They need, we need more product. We need more of the attractions to be available. That's exactly what's going on today. We actually need more homes on the market so you can accurately depict what true buyer demand is today. It's not as hot as where it was when we had interest rates that were a lot lower. So, uh, and, and it's not going to be as hot until we do see interest rates fall down the road. And with everything being in so much of a crunch and with the housing market really just not at the speed of what a normal market would be, just because interest rates are so high and supply is obviously just so diminished, how would you recommend, or what would you recommend to real estate agents and everyone in the real estate industry to do to sort of keep going through this just difficult time? Yeah, it's it, this is the time where uh, it's survival of the fittest. And um, that, that's where you're doubling down, tripling down, just working extra hard, uh, making sure that whatever you do outshines everybody else. It's it's polishing up. The customer service has got to be off the charts. If you're working in an open house, you better have the best open house. You better stage that thing, have music playing, have good smell, smelling cookies, have waters, have pat packages ready to go for buyers, that type of thing. Whatever you do, just knock it out of the park and put your nose to the grindstone. Agents are getting out of the business right now. 
at the at the tune of one one every 37 seconds. And that is because the, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't want to put in that kind of work. And it's always one of those things where in these kind of markets, it, the cream always rises to the top. And the cream rises to the top are the people that are out there crushing it every day. Those are the ones that are doing what needs to be done on a daily basis and working extra hard. If I was a, a, a an agent today, I would be hitting it on all cylinders. I'd be hitting the millennial crowd through, uh, you know, uh, Instagram and uh, through, uh, you know, Twitter feeds, yeah. whatever the new feeds are that are out there. There's a lot of new everything, but I'd make sure that I hit it up that way because that and communicating via text. But then you have to know your audience too, because 40% of all buyers within the last, over the last year were actually baby boomers. Baby boomers aren't interested in Instagram. Matter of fact, they'll go on Facebook, but you can't really advertise to them that, that well on Facebook. You need to do it the old fashioned way. You need to pick up the phone. You need to get in front of those, those people that are, uh, that, that are uh, you, your raving fans that you've worked with in the past and that they're referring you to other people. It's just making sure you up your game. It's emailing to them, contacting them, getting in front of people. That's the old fashioned way of doing things. You gotta blend everything together. And, and uh, it's like I said, double down, triple down, and you'll see those are the people that are doing really well. As a matter of fact, there are many agents where they look at somebody and say, how come they're getting all that business? They must be doing something illegal or they've, they've got, they, they are given all this business. That's not what it is. It's those people that have worked hard for a long time and it's paying off. You just need to put in the work and effort and then things will pay off. Absolutely. With so much happening right now, do you see like an end in sight? Is there, is there like a light at the end of the road or what's your prediction on this? Yeah. So my feeling on this has been as soon as we get interest rates down, we're going to see a change, uh, a shift in our marketplace. So the Fed's talked about how the Fed can't do anything else. I mean, they can't they can continue to, to uh, raise the short term rate. Who cares? Uh, at the end of the day, they can, interest rates can keep on going up. We already know what's going to happen. Fewer and fewer homes come on the market. Uh, because everybody's enjoying their incredibly low fixed rate mortgages. So yeah, demand could go down, but so can the number of homes coming on the market because I've actually seen a slight increase in the number of homes coming on the market, nothing to brag about. But uh, like April was a bottom, that was awful, the number of homes that came on the market. But uh, you're looking at May and June, few more, not much. But uh, it, if, if interest rates were to go up, you'd actually see that number come down even further. So uh, that's... That's uh, increasing rates is not going to fix anything. It's not going to add a whole bunch of inventory like so many people uh, think. It did it in the past. It did it in 2013. It did it in 2018. I've seen it before where we've seen this right up in inventory because interest rates are come, going up. That's what happened. But the problem is, is interest rates went up too big. They went from three and a quarter. Those two times that I was talking about, they went uh, up 1% each of those years in 2013 by the end. 2018, same thing, went up from 4 to 5% most recently. That was enough where it changes the marketplace. So if our marketplace went from three and a quarter to 5% and they stopped at 5%, that would have changed our marketplace and we would have had a regular good old fashioned virus market, but it didn't stop there. It went from five to six to seven, and now we're stuck between six and seven. Now it's created something totally different. So, and we haven't been here where, where we've had this kind of a marketplace. What's the only fixed remedy to this? You need interest rates to come down. 
And how does that happen? You, you see it in the data. We need CPI and uh, inflation, all different uh, PPI, all these different inflation reads to come down. Once core comes down enough, then uh, you're going to see that the Fed backs off. And then that's that's one of the things that we're going to look at. Another thing that we're going to see is we'll, we'll start to see other things. When they when you bring interest rates from three and a quarter uh, percent to seven percent, or actually the short term rate, which was at zero all the way to where it's at today, five and a quarter will be five and a half in a, in a week from now. But you when you ch- make that kind of a, a change, it it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and it's going to really impact the business sector. Those people that own big buildings, because those are not fixed rate mortgages where they pay off buildings. There's balloon payments. When they come due, all of a sudden they're looking at this new loan going, no way, can't do it. Can't, uh, I, I need a new loan, but there's no way I can pay this. So we're already seeing it in the news. It's starting right now. And it's not like over the next six months, a lot happens, but over the next year and a half, yes, a lot of those come due. So there's big changes in the marketplace that are going to come. So we'll see some slowing and you'll see it in the overall economy reads. Another thing is uh, we're going to see student debt loans. Uh, They're going to start to resume. Not everybody's debt was excused and starts August 1st. When's August 1st? Like next, like in a week and a half. Right around the corner. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. So we're just about to hit it. I think it's uh, what, 10 days from now. We're going to, or 11 days from now, we'll be at at August 1st. So that, that uh, has an impact on, on uh, spending. And uh, we've already seen it in, in the, the numbers that were released th- this month. People are going, huh, all of a sudden, boy, that's weird. I can't believe that, that, uh, that uh, consumers are spending less. Yeah, because they're prepping for what's coming in August, and it's only gonna it's gonna get a little bit worse. So we're gonna start to see these negative numbers uh, come out in consumer spending, and then you're gonna see some different things, uh, some big headlines that come out down the road. And my anticipation was this actually is gonna happen in August. I thought it was gonna happen earlier, but as the, by the time we got to March, I was saying, yeah, it's gonna be all the way in August. I still feel that we're gonna start to see it. We actually got a precursor to that. We saw CPI come down a lot more than the, what they thought. We saw consumer spending did. Uh, go up as much as people thought. So we're already getting a couple of numbers, and this is July. When we get to August, I think we're going to see a, cu- a couple more. And as you get this these slower reads on the economy, that's when all of a sudden there's this flight to safety because they see uh, the economy is slowing down. And where do people like to park their their money into ten year treasuries, long term debt? And and we follow the ten year treasury. We follow the 10-year treasury because it's the same appetite as the the investor for 10-year treasuries as the investor for 30-year mortgage-backed securities. So when the 10-year treasury goes up, mortgage-backed security goes up, interest rates go up. So when 10-year treasury goes down, interest rates go down. And what happens when the overall economy cools? People like to park their money in long-term assets like mortgage-backed securities, like the 10-year uh, uh, bonds. And when you, when you see that these start to come down with the economy cooling, we'll see interest rates start to come down. And once we get interest rates come down, you're going to see that there's going to be this change. The change is twofold. The change is more buyers. We're going to get more buyers. Both buyers are going to come into the marketplace. That's that's uh, first. That's first and foremost. Yeah, as you can see, this dial will be slow. It's not going to be overnight. We're all of a sudden we're going to go from seven six percent 
six five and a half that's not how it's gonna happen it's gonna be the slow bumpy dial but it will eventually get down there and when they get down there the more that it gets down the more buyers that will enter the marketplace and then down the road the closer we get once we get under six percent that's where we're going to bridge the gap a little bit between where people's prevailing rates are today uh you know their fixed rate mortgages that they're that they're enjoying to where interest rates will be in the future when they get under six percent that bridge isn't as big when you go from uh, where they have a fixed rate, like let's say three and a half, and they're at seven percent. That's too big of a gap. But when you have uh, at three and a, three and a half percent, and now you're at five and a half percent, that gap isn't as large. And you're going to see some people that will jump into that housing market. They'll sell their homes and buy something else. It'll create mo more mobility. So we will get more sellers coming on the market. We will do more closed transactions. This year, we're doing far fewer closed transactions than we've done since the Great Recession. It doesn't mean we're in a Great Recession because values are still going up. It means that if you're tied to real estate, you are doing fewer transactions. It feels like the Great Recession, yet the homeowners are sitting in a really good place. But what, what will happen is that once interest rates come, come down, there will be more product. But that product that comes on, those more homes, will go right into pending sales status. So it's not like all of a sudden we're going to be seeing inventory going up. That's not what's going to happen. Instead, we're going to see lots of demand met with more homes on the market and inventory issues to come. So we're going to have this inventory issue thing for a while, which is why I've said uh, this is a great time to purchase because of this because then down the road you can actually when interest rates fall by one percent or more it makes sense to refinance and you can refinance as many times as you want so if you have an interest rate like let's say at six and three quarters percent and interest rates come down to five and three quarters percent you can refinance and then if they go from five and three quarters down to four and three quarters you can refinance again down the road and you're at, at all that time you were fixed now you're fixed and now you're in, your payment's smaller and then your payment's even smaller it's like getting this big boost in your monthly income it's what it feels like uh, it's similar to what we did we purchased in 2019 and then we were able to exhaust that debt we were totally qualified for it and then in uh in the midst of the pandemic we refinanced in in 2021 and then now we're sitting with a fantastic rate so it feels like man we have all this extra discretionary money because it's not going to exhaust our debt it's now our payment is way less so that's what's going to happen down the down uh, the, the road and we're going to see this you're going to see more homes coming on the market you will see demand first and this market will be crazy as soon as interest rates start to come down because we do not have enough homes we've got ourselves into a pickle the fed made it worse yeah well we got our fingers crossed for a better looking market in the future but um right now we're gonna have to conclude today's episode so i just want to um say for more information on the housing market feel free to visit our youtube or subscribe to our housing report via our website, which is reportsonhousing.com. In each report, we go into great detail into current movements in each housing market. So far, we cater to Southern California and the Bay Area. If you sign up today, you can use the promo code PODCAST for one free month, and this code will be valid until the next episode. It does not get better than that. So thank you all for listening to the State of Housing podcast. Before we go... Uh, please leave any questions via our website or through our streaming platforms here to, if you have any questions at all, and we'd love to answer them. And um, also, if you could please leave us a good review. So thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you.